Yes, that's right. We are here again. Another episode of Deuce Night at Night. I'm your host, Jeff Mater. Welcome. We are doing a two-part episode kind of here. It's uh, They're not Carl Part 1, Part 2, but we are doing today Season 3, Episode 20, Improbable Cause, and Episode 21, The Die is Cast. And this is the whole Garrick and his whole backstory of he blows his own sh his shop up, and he's got to try to figure out, uh, Odo's trying to figure out, it's a murder mystery, and then it uh, leads into The Die is Cast. Episode. Oh, we lose Jeff? I think we did. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, and I'm Dave Mater, and like <laughs> it, it's a whole two-parter, Garrick Odo, and, and everything. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know, hey, it was sorry, it's, sorry I, I, it just kicked me out of here. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, we're having we're having a bad internet night. You know what you it's, say? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, you know Garrick being kicked out, exiled, uh, and that's the whole genesis of this episode. Is why exiled. What's going on with uh, uh, hit the Obsidian Order? And we're gonna break it all down here. But we have some other uh, guests here to bring in. Dave, uh, would you like to introduce uh, maybe our next guest, uh, uh, Hailing from Dartmouth? Yes, uh, Hailing all the way from uh, from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Uh, albeit um, uh, we have Davin Skellhorn, uh, my Greetings. cousin. And Joel our cousin, our, our, our cousin. cousin, both our cousins, because we're brothers. So, hey, how are you doing tonight, Davin? Doing good. Doing good. Davin comes to us from his own Star Trek podcast. Davin, uh, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your show? Uh, yeah, we're, we're about 10 episodes, uh, 10 or 12 episodes in. It's called Locutors of Trek. Uh, we yes. try to take a thematic approach and... Uh, like uh, biology, for example, or something like time travel. And then we uh, slip in some fun segments and some music that we play ourselves and stuff like that. Yeah, I was listening to an episode, really enjoyed it. Um, there was, you were doing, talking about culture, and you, I loved how you kind of went through the different cultures. Like, this is what we know with the Romulan culture. This is what we know with the Klingon culture, and kind of breaking that out with, um, mm. with, mo with uh, the modern, with everything sort of. With history and sort of uh, very intellectual, you have a uh, another Dave that you do that podcast with. So it's Dave and Davin, and uh, and there was also a Scotty, no relation, on your uh, the podcast I listened to as well. He was giving you guys some trivia. He was hitting you with some hard, hard hidden trivia. Yeah, so. he was. He was. Yeah, I generally only do podcasts with Daves. Yeah, but uh, Daves, Daves. Well, hey, we uh, we also have with us Jamil Robinson. Who uh, only one of on this podcast uh, not not directly <laughs> related to some ancestors. We don't know uh, yet. I don't know. Most common, most recent common ancestor, maybe not quite as recent for as Davin and Jeff and I. But uh, th you know, that's. Uh, oh, and here's Jeff's back with us now. Yeah, I think I fixed it. Sorry, my internet was like shooting me in and out of here. I don't know why, but uh, I think I have it resolved. But we are here to talk about, yeah, two different episodes. Do you guys feel like these episodes blend right into each other? Do you feel they're very different? Uh, just uh, as a one-off, Dave, like, uh, can you give me kind of your quick analysis on that? Yeah, well, okay, and we had to have a debate here. This was the first time. This was a crossroads episode in terms of this uh, D Space Nine podcast because we've always had a clear thing. We said, okay, if it's a two-parter, if it's, if it's titled like X title, part one, part two, we just do one podcast for that particular story instead of doing two podcasts. And normally if there's if there's different titles and then we would separate them. We would look at them individually. This is the first time we've had to do this. 
um like we could have like there was also uh the beginning of season two where they had like that three-part arc but we did three different podcasts for yeah. that at that time and this we chose we're like no this is a true this is a true like part one part two but it's not because it, you know it's got different writers different directors different um storylines but it, it has a to be continued cliffhanger that i think warrants it it's it's a tough one yeah i i agree with what you're saying because the first part is both episodes are about garrick in a lot in a in a big way and odo and and so i think be, because of that the episodes really blend together and but at the same time the first episode is more of a mystery episode and the second episode there is a mystery that and there is a reveal at the end but at the same time it's a bit more straightforward you know what's happening everybody's on board everybody knows that the the romulans and the cardassians the Shiar and the obsidian order are ganging up they're figuring they're they're you know they sent the message out to everybody and they're going across the the wormhole to go after the dominion and the federation's kind of cool with it and so there's different elements and uh that we get out of this episode that you kind of surprised by and you're left like oh okay so that's their position uh and, and that's one of them uh jameel what episode like what episode here kind of stands out more to you like do you go oh well i i prefer that one. Oh, the first one by far and yeah. the reason for that is when you put both episodes side by side the impact of the second episode is all set up in the first episode plus the first episode actually is uh, a pretty uh, pretty good storyline that you're following from beginning, middle, and end. Like, um, when we were questioning if we should do th uh, this as one episode, like, I asked this question. I'm like, can you watch the second one without it being heavily influenced without the first one? And, like, Dave said no. And I'm like, well, then that's pretty straightforward. We have to do both as a singular entity. And um, the first one was, I think, the much stronger episode and just, like, it could stand alone on its own two legs is an enjoyable episode. The second one is just a payoff to the things that were mentioned previously. Yeah. I think, I think it's more like we wouldn't want to sit here and do a podcast just about the die is cast. And therefore the die is cast is kind of like a PS to this really strong episode in improbable cause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. So in the, the first episode here, Davin, Mm -hmm. What kind of stands out for you um, with the whole mystery? We have the Flaxian coming on board the station. There's the love the Flaxian. I love the Flaxian uh, with the, the, the potions that we have a great scene with Odo mm -hmm. uh, and he's kind of interrogating him and he knows if he mixes the three compounds together, little things like that. Like do what did you uh, take out of this first improbable cause episode that really stood out for you? Well, I like that this episode has quite a few things going on. It has a lot of Shakespeare references. Yes. And as does the following episode. And they sort of pay off at the end, too. It was a really good Shakespeare payoff at the end. Um, yes, uh, definitely. It, it's, it's, it's subtle, too. Something I learned from Dr. Bashir. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you can learn everything from Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I like Garrick's reaction to the Flaxian showing up to assassinate him. Right. Which is just to blow up his own shop to get Odo to kind of flush out the Flaxian 
and remove the danger. It's a typically Garrick play. Yeah, yeah, it's a misdirect. Uh, and but he, th- that's what I really like about this episode is that it is an early season three episode. It's, well, it's later in season three, but we haven't got a lot of Garrick Odo stuff, and this episode is full of it. Uh, we get to see Odo be the the cop, the detective that he loves to be. We get to see Garrick um, and Bashir have lunch at least like once or twice. Yeah, can we talk about this opening scene? Because sure. I think with the, I think with we, the Caesar we, and the Brutus and we're gonna get yeah. lost in it very quickly, just because you know there's so much more that comes after it. But it's a great setup. Another Garrick Bashir lunch. We'll get many of them in the series. Uh, the, you know, and I love how there was the one time they were talking about the Cardassian literature, like the the never ending sacrifice, where one generation of the, of the family just the repetitive gives epic, it a, a repetitive, a repetitive echo, epic, and that's what Cardassian literature is about, right? Yeah. And uh, and you now he's and he, that he's like, I was reading this; it was ridiculous. He doesn't know Brutus is trying to kill him. Come <laughs> yeah. on, I do in five <laughs> seconds. You yeah. know, and he's it, like, it, but then Bashir says that is the tragedy of, of it. He didn't know his best friend was going to stab him in the back. You know, Garrick's <laughs> yeah. just like it's not believable. He's like, <laughs> yeah. you think this guy runs an empire? This guy runs like a, a, a great <laughs> empire. He's a military tactician. Are you are you kidding me? <laughs> he's, yeah. He makes a good point. <laughs> like later on when he has like the whole um, the boy who cried wolf and yes. how he goes. Are you sure that's the point of the story, right. doctor? You know, and just I love like how you can look at the same content through a different cultural lens here and yeah. how the Cardassians view the world and right. how they're both kind of equally valid in some ways in terms of, you know, accomplishing just the, your goals or whatever. Their perspective. Doing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, uh, he, he says to him, never say the, the same lie twice. That's the line, you know, never tell the same lie, lie twice. And that's, yeah, like a different perspective. It's a Cardassian perspective. It's like, the, it's, no, the boy was just stupid. He just kept telling the same lie over and over. Yeah, they're going to catch on. And that's what Garrick loves to do. He loves to misdirect. He loves to tell you the truth as a lie or tell you a lie as the truth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think he's like the, uh, he always views these human anecdotes through the Cardassian lens and through his lens. And he's uh, he often critiques it in a great way he's all you know he's always kind of from like a smug like oh that's not a very nice uh story to tell the children stuff like this <laughs> you know and, and so he's great and he has so many great lines in this episode and the next episode uh with an Tain, which we'll get to so uh, continuing yeah. on with the actual lunch um so we later on realize why he never actually touched his food it's because it was already poisoned already yeah, he might have known. Yeah, or he suspected he it, 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 it. It well could be, um, you know. And then he was like, "And Bashir just wants to leave." Bashir's like just flying through his food, uh, but he, he also Someone loves his study. Yeah, he should do a study of uh, your your <laughs> yeah. your hunger. You humans who just want everyone's gonna take your food away from you, even though which you... we see O'Brien just plow through his food when it's yeah. uh, lunching. Fear of starvation amongst plenty. That's oh, that's no. like the high, that's one of the high points of like the the next episode, the Dice Cast, where uh, O'Brien yeah. sucks at lunch. I love <laughs> his line when he says, "My mother said to me, if you try to eat and talk at the same time, you'll never you won't do either very good." Yeah, very well. Very well. It's just the way he says it, it delivers yeah. that line. I love. Uh, but we'll get to Good that one. in the dice cast. Here, I loved my parents. I loved my parents. <laughs> my wife. 
I love my wife. My wife is the most wonderful, supportive person I've ever known. Go back to Bajor. <laughs> Go back to Bajor and your plants and Sabar. Yeah. See if I care. He doesn't sorry, we care. Had, we had to hit the trilogy, sorry. <laughs> okay, so then we get uh we get this little conversation with uh Kira and Bashir after they say go- he says goodbye to Garrick and they're talking about some report about nitrogen and benzene. And like, oh, okay, right. Yeah. Uh yeah. Oh, yeah, it it melted the carpet, doctor. Yeah. yeah, it melted the carpet and he's like, "Well, that's what they breathe, so, you know, and they don't see orange or yellow, so" I hate, this alien sh- I hate this alien shit, doctor. Like all the this diplomatic. Oh, the new aliens are coming. I got to get the new atmosphere. I, get I thought it was a great jargon conversation for them just to be talking about right before, uh, uh, you know, a set piece blows up, you know, in the episode, which I thought was cool. But does it really matter that they can't see the carpet? No, I don't uh, only if it's red be. or orange because they can't see that part of the color spectrum. But like they'll see the form, but they won't like is that they can't interpret the color like and they just see like a like a whatever variation of the color that they see on their spectrum but it's still the same form they just don't want to look (laughs) well i'm not quite sure jamil like this is that bugged uh, me (laughs) that for that split (laughs) two seconds it bugged me i don't i don't know i don't know yeah, uh, so then Garrick's shop blows up. We, I, you know, I'm sure when, on first view, a lot of people probably thought, "Well, Garrick's probably dead," uh, but no, he's not dead. Uh, we get a scene in the sick bay where they're analyzing. We also get a, a scene in Garrick's shop where they are uh, kind of trying to figure out what happened. So those are the two scenes that kind of occur right after the first one. Yeah, it is basically them trying to figure out like who could have done this to you, Garrick. Garrick's not very cooperative, but they're like they kind of like already get into the banter with him, like, hey, like we know you're not gonna tell us the truth, so why don't you cut cut the crap here? And he's like, Well, I don't you know, I'm what crap, you know, and all this kind of stuff uh that, that Garrick does. Some of this stuff is really great banter, but it is a little bit it it kind of drags. Uh, but it's good. Uh Dave, what well, do you I think what yeah. do you like make of the investigation? Because this is the start of the investigation here with Odo trying to figure out what's going on here. Do you think it's like a good mystery? Like, what? Well, who's trying to kill Garrick? And then it ends up being Garrick blowing up his own shop. You know, even though the Flaxian, like they already hinted at it in an earlier scene. But like, do you think it pays off well? Do you like the the little clues? Does it rewatch well? Yeah, well, I think that's all. There's a, that's all a bunch of a lot of questions. But I think you know, like the two things about it are. Uh, the first time, absolutely. I think that this was an intriguing mystery. We're still the, the whole idea of like who Garrick is and trying to figure out this backstory. We had yeah. the Anabrantain set up, and we've had we've had a whole bunch of things that have been building up into this point. Yeah. Um. I think you know maybe on the rewatch, you know what I sense a little bit from you is that you know maybe well I know that Garrick blew up his own shop, and I know where this is going. Right. So seeing seeing the deception play out is maybe not as uh, thrilling. Uh, you know, but I, which I get like, it's, uh, because it's kind of got, they have, you have to see it coming or be able to rewatch it and it all hold together. It used to be a little bit more obvious, deliberate in some of that stuff in TV. Yeah. Um, that's a good right? point. And that's a good, like, yeah, observation with that. Like, yeah, Star Trek in general, I think sometimes they do, they make it very obvious for the layman. 
And nowadays, TV is a little bit more complex. You got to read into every little thing and every little clue and Easter eggs and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they weren't well, there. Yeah. When, I, when this aired in 1995, I was 12. So uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, like, or you were even younger, right? So it was... Yeah. Uh, um, you 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 want to you want it to be accessible to the kids as well, but still, it was supposed to be kind of all ages, kind of a family show in that sense, sort of, <laughs> but with like dark themes of torture and war and <laughs> it religion had, it, and holocausts. It could be as dark as you wanted, as long as you didn't like go down the sex path or over violence, you know, gory violence, basically. They could pretty much tell any story. You could vaporize. To. You could mass. You could mass vaporize people. But yes, it's not, yeah, it's not so too much blood. Involved. That's okay. Yeah, no blood. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why they could do what they do to Odo in the second episode, where they're torturing him, and that's okay, even though it's just a really bad sunburn. That's all. It's just yeah. It's, it's it just uncomfortable. <laughs> just explain to the kids something Jimmy. about that scene, though. He's using that quantum. What is it? The quantum stabilizer or something like that? Yeah. I'd have to think stabilizing things on the quantum level would probably done some really bad things to Garrick, too. Yeah, <laughs> he might have had some radiation. He might have asked for some hazard pay. Um, He's wearing an what? iron vest or like a, an iron cup. The same There's, <laughs> There's an image for you, Jeff. I take it back. Oh, Garrick man. looks fine. Yeah, Garrick. That's a good picture of Garrick. <laughs> it's from it's from the set, but yeah, that's not. For, is that from this up that this episode? No, that's from the next one. That's from the that was like a that's like a shot of him in the. I'm melting into or I have right. the, the changeling disease. I'm molting. But yeah, Jeff. Like I think that this this mystery is is I think that Garrick's uh, great. I think Andrew Robinson. Um, really strong. I love the boy who cried wolf story. It's still yeah. it's such a rewatchable scene over and over again. Still funny. Still well acted. Directed. This is uh, Avery Brooks, by the way, directing this this episode. Um, I think the Odo and Garrick pairing is really strong in this episode. I think Odo is the is the constable. Is his like his Batman skills are put into full effect in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, he's right? really playing the Batman character, even going to his um, his uh, his his scummy um, contact. Yeah, he has in like a cave. A, yeah, <laughs> in the cave. Yeah, he goes. He <laughs> does his flat. He does the thing with the flaxian and the perfume. He goes to see yeah. Deep Throat in the cave. He's yeah. calling. I have up a new Ron face. I don't want you to see it. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> what I also was impressed with uh, Odo in this episode is that he's using the full extent of his contacts with the is you know with with Starfleet and everything else. Right. You see him working Cisco. He's like, let's call up the Romulans and find out. He's like, hey, did you uh, kill the Flaxian? He's like, we totally killed the Flaxian. Yeah. That's a great moment when, <laughs> when Cisco says, "Oh, I, I hardly uh, think the Romulans will cooperate with us." And Odo's like, "Let's try." And then the next cut is. <laughs> Um, oh, I can't believe you're being so forthright. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we did it. <laughs> it like, yeah, okay. we did it. Right, oh, we okay. Yeah, we, you did it. All right, we did it. Uh, Check the treaty. Yeah, we're allowed. So, it's allowed. Check the treaty. We could yeah. assassinate people in Federation space, or was it Federation? <laughs> yeah, as long as the ship was D was D 
docked or de-docked or something like that. Or yeah. it it's a strange practice that the Romulans seem to get away with whatever they all want. Like you know, as long as they they need like the Federation needs them for something like a cloak or some sort of alliance, or the Cardassians need them. Yeah, it's always some sort of nefarious alliance with the Romulans, yeah. and it never <laughs> seems to go well. And there's a um, a moment I think in the next episode where um, Tane says, "Oh, no wonder the Romans can't conquer anybody; their food sucks." And, <laughs> they you suck know, at making food, or yeah, yeah, they suck. At, their cuisine is terrible. Yeah, the drink, the drinky pours. He's like, "This is not good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's drinking it. He's like, "This is terrible." But Jeff, uh, come back to part, come back yeah. to part one. We haven't fully uh, right. rip, gone through part one, right? Like we got there's a few other things that are uh, set up here, including uh, there was uh, Mila, right? Because yeah. there's yes. there's the there's the the one part where um, where well, you know Garrick finds out that all uh, certain people have died that are all the old friends of Anabrin Tane, which he's right. thrilled to hear, and right. he goes, "Well, I should find out about Tane himself." Calls up Mila, who do we believe that Mila? Who I believe is right there up until the final episode of the series in season she, seven. Yeah, is she his mother? Is she Garrick? Yeah, I, like I always got this impression that she's Garrick's mother, or you know, like because we know that Tane is Garrick's father. Tane also says he should have killed her, um, his mother, his mother, like before he was born. So, and he does say he wants to kill her too at, at some point, just because she knows too much, yeah. right? Yeah, so she gets set up here. They bring her back several times. She has this interesting dynamic with Garrick. I think that uh, that like you know, there's you see this vulnerable uh, side to Garrick, which Andrew Robinson doesn't really bring too often to the character when he talks so to her. When it does when it does happen, it's very impactful. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that there's 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 a lot of in interesting things that continue like there's like the, kind of like the longer thread here and that's why this is also an interesting two-parter if we can call it here because you know we got the we got part one here that's written by basically by Rene Echeverria with a story by Robert Letterman and David R. Long but then you have Ronald D. Moore picking up in seat in the second part right and so and Ronald D. Moore one of my favorite Star Trek writers right but we even though we were saying like the die is cast is not as strong maybe as the mystery and sort of the suspense of this first part. Um, it's like, I think the part one is an incomplete episode, right? They had to, they had to make the dais cast in order to yeah, yes. do and, and, the episode. Right. And, and that's the part about it. Like this felt more in line with like the serial nature that you saw of like Battlestar Galactica, where like the episodes like blend into each other so even though there is a story in one episode it isn't a complete story until you see more of what um comes after it so that's how i feel about the two episodes but that first one is well so strong. yeah i agree jamil like they are breaking away here from the tng model of the episode to episode like there this episode really does it well because they already have introduced the, the um an Armentane thing, the Obsidian Order. They've also already introduced the Dominion and the Homeworld planet that they have to go to destroy. There's many things that are, have already been set up, and if you hadn't watched another episode, like you would be like confused a little bit, I think, but you would still be able to follow. But you do need like that context. Whereas a TNG episode, they go to like a different planet and it's a completely different story, and that's the case like 95 percent of the time. 
Even uh, that's the same thing with Voyager and a lot of the yeah. most of the, a lot of the shows. Like yep. That. But DS9 was the one that was different. And this is where I think they started to do it. It was like, oh, we can just do a two-part episode that's, you know, blending both of these two different storylines of Garrick and Odo together. Uh, and then, you know, really crossing all the different species too, like having Cardassians, Romulans, the Dominion, you know, they haven't even brought the Klingons in yet. But once they do, they'll really have like all the chess pieces on the board and they can really play with them however they want. Uh, Davin, let me ask you like, what do you make of a uh, Cisco in this episode? Uh, the improbable cause episode. How do you, f- do you feel like he's helping Odo well in his investigation? Does he care enough about what happened to Garrick's shop? No, but you also never hear me say a bad word about Benjamin Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I like, no, I don't think he's helping Odo a whole lot. Uh, but he's kind of washing his hands of this whole thing. He doesn't mind doing that on a station like Deep Space Nine every now and then. Sometimes there's things yeah. that are sort of outside of his jurisdiction, even. But uh, he does that a lot, actually. Yeah, he he, he likes to delegate. Yeah, it's like. But sure, I like the mirroring that goes on in this episode because we've been talking about how like the first one's all sort of set up and the payoffs all in the second one. Mm-hmm. But when I just rewatch these episodes, I sort of saw them. As almost mirror images of each other in a way, yeah. Um, not just the the touches on the Shakespeare and stuff that they do in both, but the first one has the mystery of who blew up Garrick's shop, but the second one actually has the mystery as well of who's the informant that gave away the pl- the the big plan. Yeah. So the, I'm watching them back; they just seem to be a little bit i mean definitely all pay off in the first one or i mean set up in the first one but it it, it was almost set up for two different payoffs at least two <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well there is there's a few different payoffs that they do in the second one the also the one that the romulan was a changeling mm-hmm. and then they say the changelings will never harm another change they do a, a few payoffs there no just kind of they like to do that too in these. They've done it already, Dave. I forget what the first episode or one of the first episodes of season three was, but it was a similar thing where they, they yeah, they were in Dominion space and there's a big battle. The search, uh, the, the search, yeah, part the one search, and two? yeah, the search part one and two. And this is again another two parter where they go into Dominion space and everybody gets annihilated again. Yeah. Uh, it never how, seems. To- how many Dominion ships? 150. <laughs> yeah, she. I love that moment in the scene where she waits a little few seconds and then says that. Here, she's like, this must be wrong. I'm just waiting for it to recalculate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Yeah, refresh. <laughs> like, like I think that this the whole like the whole Acts Four reveal here with the where we find out what was set up in the Defiant episode. What's going on in the whatever the system was. Um, it, it escapes me right now. Uh, not the Unefra system, but the one where yeah. the, the Arias system. It the was Arias, the Arias. Yeah. They kept, I want to know what's going on in the Arias system. Or Gold Ducat didn't even know what was going on in the Arias no. system. Turns out it was the Romulans and Cardassians teaming up to take it the preemptive strike to the Dominion. I think yeah. this was a brilliant like idea, you know, yeah, and like, a, a payoff that happened episodes ago. You know, the, that, yeah, that DS9 is doing very well here in season three. 
because you there was like that mystery and then you're like okay what are the what's the the obsidian order is up to something they're building ships but to what end maybe they're maybe you can you can speculate that they're going to team up with the dominion or go after the dominion maybe but this whole this whole idea of um of of teaming up the romulans was was really smart i think that uh and it also created this whole new plot line where like yeah and the Telshi on the obsidian order are neutralized by the end of these two episodes mm -hmm. right like uh, these two like they're kind of out of the way and lovak explains that at the end of the of the second part but at the so, same time at the same time just on that point they also set up the the little bits of information about what's to come it's like you have to start asking yourself the question they said that the federation the klingon empire are already going to be neutralized it's like how so what are the plans in motion that are to neutralize them so like the wheels are already turning in your head um, but you can also just miss that little that little bit of a line, that little hint as to what's coming. And then it might cash into yourself like, oh, they already mentioned it already. Right. This this Dominion storyline is of season three and what they're doing with it, not like on a, on a much bigger scale than they were doing earlier on, right? Because it was so about, yeah, they had this wormhole and this thing, whatever, but it was kind of like a small town too, like Bajor, it's on the frontier. It's sort of this like... No, nothing planet it's kind of been broken from this occupation and uh and now it's become an important place uh because largely from this so it's kind of so like the show is really taking off and they're doing big things in terms of like the grander universe building you know like what, we'd like to talk about um, when i when i look at this episode and and what you're talking about for season three in general and with um kind of presenting the dominion as this upcoming threat and you you get your toes dipped in the water a little bit with like how powerful and how threatening and overbearing they are and you just think back to like tng and you kind of wish at points that tng was a little bit different because look how much squeeze they could have got out of the borg where it's like you know we got our little bits of uh, like episodes here and there but just think of an entire season just leading up to wharf 359 right yeah voyager like, did that <laughs> yeah, yeah well that's the thing and voyager squandered a lot of the other opportunities yeah too, but like right? but like you kind of wish like the enterprise goes to a, a new system and you know they have their entire storyline but there's this underlying threat that's just there in the background and just bills and bills for an entire season like you feel like there's kind of like you know food left on the table but like deep space nine you you see you see the prophecy coming to be and how well they're doing just kind of building this up you you like you're salivating at this point waiting for the dominion to like the next part the next shoe to drop it's it's great i love this yeah the and deep space nine at the time like dave what year is this episode 95? 95 95 yeah so like like at the time in television i mean there really wasn't another show like Deep Space Nine doing basically the the type of television we see today. Uh, then you know, like that, the, they were like to be able to tell a story like Marvel almost, like where it's tons of different species and across a whole vast universe, and like Game of Thrones. Um, a lot of television shows hadn't accomplished that. And I think Deep Space Nine was one of the first ones to do it really well. And season three here, I think, is really starting to gain its legs and figure out what they want to do with the Dominion and the Cardassians, the Romulans, and really put them all together. I have a question. Yeah. Davin, 
Devin, I, are you are you familiar with a little show known as Babylon Five? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, well, I like Jakar. I'm a Jakar guy. Jakar, okay. Yeah, Jakar, citizen of, of, of Jaquan, you know, of uh, the book of Jaquan. And uh, yeah, Babylon 5, a great uh, science fiction TV show. Very underrated, underlooked. I know it's not Babylon 5 at 5, Jeff. And <laughs> Babylon 5 well, is that's... either underrated or overrated. There's no middle ground. Yeah, yeah either can... people hate it, like Kevin Millard <laughs> and Jody. Uh, and, or people love it like Dave and then there's people like then people don't know it exists generally so there are those people too generally different. see and Babylon 5 was a space station TV show that really was a serialized show that was happening at the same time and they try well, every time they tried to do episodic like like a Star Trek episode that was supposed to like stand up on its own it really fell flat uh, you know, it was like it, what, what, what that show really is a five year um, sort of sci fi epic, uh, you know, like novel of sorts. Right. Because uh, it's almost almost completely written by one writer, all those episodes. And so it's like this. This really holds up in comparison to. But I think that what they were doing at the time there, I think they had a competitiveness with each other that gave. Uh, good products in both as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like WCW and WWF, Jamil, if you remember the Monday Night Wars. Well, um, the undercard for WCW was fantastic, and the um, uh, the uh, the top stars for WWF were um, really good. Uh, uh, but yes, you're right. They were competing and looking at each other and kind of drawing from each other. Uh, Jeff, I think you were going to say something? Oh no! I was just gonna say, like, um, you know, the scene when Garrick's about to get on the runabout, and he's talking to Bashir about, you know, like he bas- like basically Bashir says to him, "Hey, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know." And then Garrick proceeds to completely screw with him for about a minute and a half, and then and then like, he's like, "Oh, go into got locker, go into my like, quarters, open up a panel." Yeah, yeah, there's an isolinear rod. I need you to grab yeah. that rod and you know, like, and eat it and do like all these different things. And he, and then yeah, and then at the end he's like, is, is this actually what you want me to do? He's like, no, I'm just screwing with you. Like, yeah. I, and he just <laughs> he walks off. It's so, yeah, it's it's chocolates. Yeah, yeah that yeah. reminds me of the earlier scene too, where it is that investigation with Odo and Garrick, and Odo's just like, oh no, he actually doesn't know who's trying to kill him because if he did, he'd already be like. Spinning out an elaborate, yeah, you would, yeah, you would be dancing around the room saying, "Yeah, to somebody else," but he's not. He's he looks worried. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and the scene when Odo confronts him is is a, I mean, fantastic acting from both actors when he says, "Like you blew up your own shop, Garrick," and like that yeah. whole moment is so. And then like like just the they both perform it so well because yeah, there's a moment where Garrick like he's just stunned and then Odo says something like I've never seen that look on your face before and then Garrick like responds right away with a quip but you can tell like yeah, just everything about it is is really really good. I want to say about that whole scene where uh, yeah René and Bergenois, um, they, we, we don't get to see his face for that, the reading of that line and I feel like maybe that's the only missed opportunity but on the other hand we, we it, it, you know in place we get Edge Robinson's reaction yeah. to how you know and we hear we just hear odo you know he's like you blew up your own shop garrick and i'm done i'm not dr Bashir. we're not having yeah. a little banter here over, yeah, over lunch you know, yeah. over lunch i don't give a shit tell me what the hell's going on 
Yeah, yeah. He's like, when you're in the Obsidian Order, he's like, we've been through this before. He's like, cut the crap. I've always said telling the truth is just an excuse for lack of imagination. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many great lines, uh, Garrick lines that you know Ronald D. Moore probably had a a major uh, impact on if he wrote on these episodes. Uh, Because, yeah, like just some of the quips Garrick always has, though, are so fantastic. Radio Uh, theater. That's, I I was, I was watching this episode. I'm like, radio theater. <laughs> no imagination indeed. Ha! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I just had that. Oh yeah. Uh okay, so is that pretty much it for improbable cause? Basically, the uh, Odo and Garrett get on a runabout. The they have actually a great conversation. We should get to that conversation because it's probably one of the best things in either episode where Odo's constant, like, um, kind of like poking at Garrick. He, he's he's asking him, like, well, you know, what's the point of this? And he, he's explaining to him, like, about uh, Nabertain who exiled him. And he's like, why would you want to go save him? And then, so he's kind of like judging him and and trying to figure out his motivations, his emotions. And then Garrick has the best speech, I think, in 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 the episode where he kind of just dismantles Odo. And kind of says like, you know, do you have really any feeling for anybody? Do you, you, you just, you know, analyze everybody as if, you know, you're just, uh, you know, a creature. We're all just creatures running around or something like that. He says to him and, and, you know, he's like, you presume to know how I'm feeling when you can't even figure out how you're feeling and stuff like this. And he's but just that's so- not completely true because as the audience, we know better. We know that right. Odo actually cares uh, more specifically for Kira. Right. Yes. And he has a, he has a d- deeper connection to his family. Right. And he does have say a great line there. Uh, yeah. If I did, I wouldn't tell you. Yes, yeah. Exactly. He's like, if I did have anyone, I would tell you. He's like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Further yeah. response to Garrick. Yeah. Right. But, it's, but Jeff, it's a great character moment as well, though, because we, as you mentioned, yes, we know the truth, but like you, he kind of tells on himself because like Garrick knows for sure that his assumption is incorrect and there is someone there that Odo cares about, right? So he did kind of get what he wanted from that conversation. He got confirmation. Yeah. yeah, yeah but- Garrick's really good at that. You know, he he's really good at figuring out what he needs to figure out about people to, you know, find a weakness or a point of leverage. Um you know, he says to Odo when he's tortured him in the next episode, you know, it's not personal. You know, it's uh, I just need this info. Just give it to me. <laughs> like, you know, all okay. this kind of stuff, you know, stuff. Here's here's the question, though, really. I think that, you know, this ending here where mm-hmm. we see Garrick, he embraces Tane, who Tane's like, yeah, you can leave if you want or whatever, but we're keeping Odo. He's like, no, I'll join you. And and we're back. And Oda's like, this is the man who betrayed you. This is the man who exiled you. Yeah. You know, who will stab you in the back. He's like, I know, but I love it. I'm back, baby. I'm back with the with Cardassia, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, and I guess like the it's kind of an amazing ending here, but then you know, does Garrick he also gets uh pretty quick forgiveness and and uh, retribution by the end of the next episode, which maybe is not fully earned. Yeah, so, like, yeah I would have done the same to him though. Yeah, it's a good point, Dave, because they make a distinct point to say that Garrick has a choice here and he chooses to lie in bed with Tane. And then Tane's bed gets filled with 
with crap at the end of the next episode. And then Garrick comes out of that bed squeaky clean, which makes no sense in a what, lot of ways. What was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to say, I'm leaving and leave Odo there? If he did care about Odo, he can't just leave him there. Is he going to fight right. his way out and trick them to get rid of Odo? They can't do that. So No, no, I agree. But it's Odo, you know, Odo got tortured by Garrick. Like he, the, you know, the, I, it's weird that Garrick didn't really see, you know, there's no retribution from even Odo. You know, towards Garrett. Well, like, like what Star Trek? What, what Star Trek show are we watching here? Right, we're watching right. Uh, a changeling and a Cardassian on an mm -hmm. away mission, uh, where they're on a Romulan warbird talking to the head of the Obsidian Order, yeah. and we're like, you know, they're like Garrick's not a Starfleet officer. He's not going to uh, make decisions on the same morality of like a like a, a Cisco or a Bashir. But Garrick right. is also manipulated into the situation of t torturing because the he is put in a po opposition to the the Romulan who would go and not have the same type of kid gloves but knowing that we know right now we know that Odo would never be tortured because a changeling would not hurt another changeling so it was it, he That's was That's why Lovox like I didn't hear about this device <laughs> no one told me about this right. if I Lovok, the changeling wouldn't deal with that yeah, you think that would be important for yeah, Lovak, the changeling, but it wasn't. Uh, uh, okay. Anything else to talk about here with improbable cause? I, I think we moved on to the dice cast. No, okay. we moved on to the dice cast. Do you yeah. want to do you want to do the rating now, or do you want to do? The yeah, let's do the rating now. now, and then we'll Ooh, move on okay. to the next one. All right, let's just put this one to bed. Uh, okay, I, I want to see how you you're putting this rating system. I'm interested in this. All right, let's bring this in and get that up on screen. So, Jeff, why don't you start us off? Uh, I give it a 8.6. Ooh, 8.6. Yeah, I'm going to go pretty high. I'm going to go as high as 9 on this. 9.3. 9.3, wow. Meal. I'm going with a 9, a straight 9. 9. Ashley and Kevin, if you're out there, feel free. You hit us up in the comments. Uh, Davin. I'll have to, I'll go 9.5. I think this is one of the better two-parters. All right. That's a 9.1 at the moment with the average. Okay. So we'll see if how we if we rate the next one as well. But let's talk let's talk a little bit about the die is cast, Jeff. Okay, let's jump right into it. I agree to go back to what Davin said. Yes. It, they are mere episodes of each other. The first one starts with Bashir and Garrick having lunch. The second one starts with O'Brien and Bashir having lunch. And, and uh, you know, we get the whole juxtaposition of Bashir just wanting somebody to talk to. He's talking all about symphonies and orchestras and all sorts of different composers. And he's trying to get O'Brien to acknowledge anything he is saying. And O'Brien is just shoving his mouth because he's busy. He's got to go fix something because the whole station falls apart. And he's got a bib on like <laughs> just the, the attention to detail in this first scene, I think is so great. Yeah. And he's like, okay, what do you think? He's like, about what? He's like, any of it. He's like, I, I don't know. He's like, I, I heard know. every word he said, but I, I, still, I heard you said, but I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care, and I have nothing to say to you. And he's like, well, what? you need to like banter with me or something. Why are we having lunch together? He's like, hey, look, you wanted to have lunch? We're having lunch. 
and, and just everything about that is so fantastic the way it's written because Garrick doesn't want to eat at all, just wants to talk. And O'Brien just wants to shove, you know, shovel his mouth. And he has that whole quip that we said earlier um, about his mother saying, if you try to eat and talk, you do neither very well. So well, I think it's, I think it's also a great example of how they do a good job of showing the different relationships and how they're different, right? Because here we see Bashir is we, he's friends with O'Brien and he's obviously yeah. tight with O'Brien, but in a different way than his relationship with Garrick, which is also a, a clearly a, an important one for the Bashir character. Um, but it's the, and, and there's no like crossover with Garrick and O'Brien though, you know, they, they wouldn't be at lunch together. Um, no, they probably wouldn't like each other, you know, like <laughs> after like five minutes. O'Brien has Cardassian issues. He's getting yeah. that, that Cardi. <laughs> have you ever said those damn Cardis? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, like this whole. Okay. And it starts off where, you know, Garrick's like, I'm back as the Prince of Evil, Jeff. That's how the dice cast starts as well. Too. Right. And we also get, you know, the you know all the clo uh, cloak ships of the Cardassians Romulans decloaking off the station. They figure out what they are, and they're going through the wormhole, and they kind of start to figure out what's going on. And then we get to see the message. I think after the credits. But, so wait, my my question to you, uh, Jeff, is: yes. Do you like this plan? We, take away the end result. Do you actually think this is a good plan? Well, no. Like even if they had done it, I think it's a war crime. You know what they're doing. Their whole assumes the entire changeling leadership is on one planet, which doesn't seem very likely. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's also assuming all the changelings are evil, which Odo has proven they are not. You know, so they there's to do a preemptive strike like this is it's just immoral. I mean, really, what they're doing is immoral because it's not even but that's well, more they, from it's, your it's a genocide. They're, it's they're, a genocide. Yeah, they're trying they're to, commit a genocide. to commit genocide. Isn't like the Federation and Starfleet obligated to try to stop that? No, no. it's wartime, Dave. They literally <laughs> say they're not, they're they, not at war. No, they, right, they have a good chance of succeeding. So you know, if they do, that'd yeah, be good well, for us. Yeah, we we had Admiral Todman here, who was well, the only admiral <laughs> right. who wore gold or who didn't wear like the command color. He was wearing yellow. What do you think about what? What is this choice, Dave? Why is he wearing gold? Because he's like a Starfleet security admiral or something, uh, yeah. oh, or Starfleet okay. intelligence admiral. Or he's, but it's like because you don't like it's. It's presumable that the different divisions could have. He's a goof. It's he's a, a goof. terrible plan. I don't. I don't care what anyone says. It's a terrible plan. Here's the other problem with it. It's only like 30 ships. They're, they're taking 30 ships to take out the 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 founders' homeworld. Like did they? They're they're. Like, they're, they're, they're they are uh, manned by uh, veterans, savvy veterans. <laughs> savvy veterans will have the element of surprise. The and then what? They're going to fight their way through the entire Dominion to yes. get back to the wormhole? Because they're savvy and they're Because they got cloaking places. Yeah. Sneak attack. They'll never see them coming. They got Sneak attack. Yeah. Cloaks. Yeah. Right. And like, and like they, okay, like, even if you know what you know okay well, what what do we really know about the dominion and the founders at this point not enough what does the tal shiar and uh the obsidian order know they know well, what yeah. the federation found out yeah. through odo okay yeah like 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 basically that what the dominion wishes to 
not allow them into the the gamma quadrant and wishes to conquer them outright? Do they, do they know that? Do they understand that the Dominion wishes to conquer them? Outright? Um. Well, they do in the episode where Odo, you know, basically denounces them. That's basically Search. what they say, right? Their their goal is to go out and and destroy anybody that's a threat to them, basically. Right, and they, right? I think so. Yeah, but like that's not. I, I feel like they should maybe r- remind us a little bit more. What is the threat of the Dominion? Why, why, why was fe- the Federation even willing to look the other way here and kind of hoped that this would work? I think it's kind of maybe generally understood that as long as the wormholes open, that the kind of supreme control and order that the founders want is going to spread into the alpha quadrant because they won't wouldn't settle for anything else maybe they're like making a lot of assumptions starfleet but i think that's kind of what they're going with um yeah i also want to make another point to the mirror aspect um with garrick and tane garrick uh, I, I don't know if it's in this episode but maybe a future episode where he refers to himself as the mirror image of tane he mirrored himself after tane growing up and a lot of if you watch the way they speak to each other the, the repertoire is the same actually mm-hmm. most of the time tane is the one doing what garrick does like to bashir he's usually like rousing him and like you know you know sticking like a needle like with a comment in his side and Garrick has to kind of swing back. Uh, and, and so that's kind of what I, I, you know, I do. Th- I think there's something to what uh, Davin brought up with the whole mirroring. Well, I think that um, scene you're talking about, too. I don't think he ever wanted to kill Mila. That was just a way to try to goad some sort of response. Those yeah. two are all about gauging responses. Yeah. Like, well, Odo has the great line where he says, you know, you two say a lot of a lot of nothing to each other you end up saying nothing or something like yeah. that he says to him right and it's uh you say so much that you say nothing at all or something like yeah that. you end up saying nothing at all um yeah and then uh, there's a great moment too which is like a call to a future episode where uh they have a little look at each other where they you know they say have you ever heard of a uh, a gull named ducat <laughs> you know so that's a great moment too oh the business with the arms merchant yeah <laughs> yeah right. what it was the business with the arms merchant yeah right does that have know. to do with uh, Ducat's? Because we know that Ducat's father died because of Garrick. It could be, right? And Tane was yeah. probably involved, but barely remembers. He's like, yeah, was there? Probably, it's probably even Ducat's father that he remembers. Um, and I, I like th- just like those little things. They they never even get fully explained. I kind of, I do kind of like them. World build. Um, I brought the die. <laughs> oh, and it's cast. Cast <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Okay, but the whole the whole scene after that, Jeff, with Admiral yes. Todman, who again, I, you know, I, I'm big on my uniforms, and he was the only admiral wearing the gold. Yeah, wearing the gold shirt. But he says, you know, don't go out. He's like, hey, I want to go after that fleet. I want to get back Odo. He's one of my officers. And the t- Todman's like, no, like if the Dominion, if the Dominion comes out of that wormhole, you got to protect Bajor. You know, he's like, that's, the defiance got to be there to protect Bajor. D- right? That doesn't make any sense, though. That doesn't make any sense. It yeah. doesn't. The, it, the, the reinforcements are coming anyways. Yeah. Right? In the, the time before they even reach the planet, my assumption is from the timeline that we have. Right? That the time yeah. it takes to get to the founder's home planet, the reinforcements will already be at DS9 to begin with. Right at the same time, Odo is a, tr- a strategic asset. 
and you can't just let it get away, right? So uh, I, I found that was absurd. It's like, ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, we don't need Odo. He's not <laughs> important at all. What a strategic <laughs> asset Starfleet security <laughs> thinks he is too, right? Yeah. They use him yeah. as a straight up weapon eventually. Yeah, yeah. A, we- a, a weapon, a biological weapon, effectively yeah. by giving that virus. Well, what do you think about Tane? Um, like kind of buttering Garrick up, saying how what a great interrogator he was. The one guy saying, like, oh, your eyes, his eyes. And then he's like, ha, 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 I was great, wasn't I? Like, I love that. That's like, <laughs> I never even touched him. He's like, I never even touched. You know, yeah. Uh... It does give you the impression that Garrick did try to avoid, you know, more painful forms of torture if he could, even back in those days. Maybe it hints at that. Yeah, I don't think um, he's a vindictive person as far as like violence. Like he's not a sadistic, say sadistic. I guess is mm. the right word. Um, he yeah, he's methodical. Yeah, he's more methodical. He's not um, someone who enjoys violence. I would say, but he he uses he it when he when he want as a tool. Yeah, and he believes sure. in serving the state. Yeah, above all else, and and Tane, who we don't. No, is his father yet? But will it will be finally revealed? You know, in Tane's return, and it make you know, it like it 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 seems obvious, really. You know that he's more than just a mentor, but yeah. that they actually they spell that out after the fact. Like I love yeah, that great accurate. story he tells about the friend of his that's actually him and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I love how accurate Odo's assessment of the relationship is. It's accurate, but not completely accurate, right? It's it's like almost there, and then we later re- get the realization, like episodes later, that it's like, oh, there's one more step. There's one more step. So once again, their interrogation of each other, their back and forth was like mirrors, where they've they understood the other person but didn't completely get all the information mirror uh major kira um you know the relationship with tan yeah you know they were just yeah almost there yeah because they work they're colliding two storylines into one room there where they have odo and garrick kind of going at each other and yeah they don't know everything about each other and I, I do think dave's right where like they're reminding each other that these people are different that they don't know everything about each other yet you know, it's not like every, everybody automatically knows about the story we went on with Garrick and Tane the last time, you know, so maybe Odo needs to be brought up to speed. And he doesn't understand everything or um, and we, we the audience still don't we, we won't find out for a couple seasons that Garrick is his son. So like there, there's there's a whole there's a whole tapestry to this that they haven't even got to. Uh Eddington has more to do, and we we started this podcast off talking about Eddington and how much Kevin Millard loves Eddington, and so does that. My lucky loony. His lucky loony. Um, do you know how hard it is to grow tomatoes? <laughs> okay. See, exactly. He's right about that. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, two things with Eddington. What? Okay, so there's the moment uh, it, where he kind of. You know, disables the defiant, uh, disables the cloaking device. Sorry, there's the moment where he disables the cloaking device, right? He's coming. Yeah, we hear you. All right, Javert. Javert. 
Um, and there's also the moment where he says, okay, I disabled the thing. It's going to take a little while to fix it, but you can't go into the Gamma Quadrant. And it's going to take 10 hours, and O'Brien's very upset, and he really doesn't like Eddington. Um, okay, okay, but and, the, and he says, thing. I give you my word. And then Cisco says, um, okay, I, I, you know, I, I don't make me distrust you because I, I, you know, when someone wearing that uniform gives me or, their word, I take it seriously. And you your uniform. And then that's a great foreshadow <laughs> to that because uh, that oh, it's all about the uniform again. You know, you're wearing that uniform. You say you give me your word, okay. But little did he know, he's a Maquis spy. Yeah. Do you think uh, that we'll get to this later on? But don't you think that later on, when they're in like, when there's a conclusion to their storyline, yeah. Eddington, that must be the most. Rare. Oh, they didn't make an editing. <laughs> <laughs> they never made an edited uh, action figure. Shouldn't there be a, a sequence where, like, after everything is revealed, that uh, Cisco gets to tear the uniform off of him or something? Like, oh, just... it would, yeah, it, <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. That, that would have been good, yeah, if they just really just ripped it or something. Um, okay, so what do you, where are we going from here? Okay, so we have the interrogation where they bring in the machine that Davin brought up earlier. Um, the quantum stabilizer, stabilizer. I don't know what is he called. No, quantum stasis field. That's what it is. Yeah, quantum stasis field. It looks like a blender that lights up. It was a a prototype. Uh, Lovok didn't know about it. Do I have a picture of it? I think I do. The real Lovok would have. The real Lovok would have found out about that. Yeah, you see, well, here you see that's Garrick who's in who in regret after having deactivated. But yeah, it was just like this this device. Uh, Odo never attempts to attack the device once, or even turn it off. No, nope. no, he doesn't even try to. Touch I know it. he can't shapeshift, but he still has fingers. Yeah, yeah but like a barrel brain. could have came from the ceiling and hit him and paralyzed him. So. He didn't want to take any chances. He stood. Yeah, that's why well, sometimes he gets hit with those things. Oh, but only if he's in the vortex. <laughs> in the vortex. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and, and again, like. Oh, ha- take us out of your precious vortex. <laughs> <laughs> that's from the episode Vortex. Right. So, so when uh, Odo like goes into the full like zombie mode. And again, it's a mirror of the first episode when Odo is the one interrogating Garrick. You know, you blew up your own shop, Garrick, right? In this episode, it's Garrick interrogating Odo under duress. And he's like, you must be happy. You must be loving, you know, this situation. And, you know, they're serving Cardassia. And just, again, uh, yeah, like they kind of really just like, okay, we're going to flip it now and do do you know do this kind of a scene whereas in the first episode is complete opposite i think it was i think it's a really like um, other amazing scene from both of them i think that garrick garrick finger it's better that i do it than the tell she are better that i try to prove myself to tane he's trying to like win win here he's always he's trying to straddle the you know the dark side a little bit as much as he can 
right um mm-hmm. and you know the morality of that and odo odo is just like i don't buy any of your shit <laughs> yeah. get out of here like who do you think you are take me out of your precious vortex right. uh, it's a big the- character moment for odo because you see in that moment that he would rather face being tortured to death than just be vulnerable yeah yeah especially around garrick yeah well yeah Right. Uh, I think, t- too, that they also acknowledge that Odo is actually supposed to be a, like a threat. He's like, yeah, normally you would be a threat to me, but not now because you, can, you can't shapeshift. But I'm like, yeah, but when Odo is actually in combat or battle situations, we don't see... And turn uh, into an eagle and rip your face off, like yeah, he says, or like, like stretch, stretch yeah. out and do like you know tentacle arms. Like I think with like modern special effects, they would have done more, but they they couldn't. They yeah, do cool no. stuff with Odo in the comic books and stuff. Yeah, yeah I bet. Like because when you could just when you have your imagination, uh, you know, money's yeah. not a factor. It's he's kind of like the Green Lantern, you know. He's got the the willpower. He can manifest whatever he wants. Yeah, like he's <clears throat> or Plastic Man, maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on, we have yeah, just a lot of stuff going on here between Tane, uh, Lovok, and Garrick. And uh, you know, uh, there is a moment in this episode where you kind of feel like, okay, maybe like Garrick is gonna go with these guys, and like that'll be Garrick's not gonna be on the station anymore. Did you guys kind of feel that way at all? Uh, <laughs> no, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> Like, as I mentioned before, like, I felt that Garrick's hands were kind of tied. So um, he was kind of writing out the situation the best he could. And his best play was to go with them and agree with them and do what they asked. Otherwise, Odo, there's a chance Odo might not make it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think Odo understood that. And that's why he doesn't kind of like he doesn't you know make a stink about it when they he doesn't throw him under the bus when they get back even though he could have yeah yeah you say yeah he totally was gonna join he was gonna uh, go vader he was gonna join uh tane at the right hand of the father of the emperor there and they were gonna commit genocide against my people yeah and that's the big reveal that he uh reveals to garrick is that he he would like to go back and be in the great link and he's like i don't you know I don't like my people, but I can't deny that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see them die. And I, 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 want, I, then I yeah. want, even though, yeah, like I don't accept them and they don't accept me and we don't see a die. They're still my family and I still would want to go back to them if I could. It's, it's, it's a, it's a super strong scene. I think that this, that what, whatever bond here, like that built between Odo and Garrick, I don't feel like they paid it off nearly as much as they could have after this, because I feel like these two no. characters were f- I you know I don't remember them doing much together after this like you know here yeah, uh, there was all that the the time they were off with Kira in like the Cardassian resistance in season yeah. seven but that's that's down the road yeah, yeah. that is down the road uh, okay so, so yeah uh, so then we get kind of the big battle that we can talk about here guys uh, okay the basically like we already mentioned the 150 ships are coming in and he's like how many like you know what is he saying he's just like is, is your computer working or something like that yeah like yeah you see like they're like hey we're destroying the planet and they're like yeah but there's no life signs and they realize they've been had and they're like there's a lot of ships coming out of the nebula and they go how many and 150 they previously mentioned they only had were 30 ships right 
Why right? do you think so, Cloak can disperse? It's unclear. It like you know, it just ends the. I wish well, no, it's pretty more the battle, but and they have mentioned that um, standard cloaking doesn't always work against uh, the Jem'Hadar and the Dominion as well. Yes, and also there's the moment where Garrick says to uh Lovak, you know, like we gotta go, like we gotta head back and go to the Alpha Quadrant. We're doomed. Like, and he says, no, we have to, you know, have our final stand here. Yeah, and so in our ships and have a final stand here. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So what he's saying is, you know, everyone dies and nobody can, you know, get out of here. You know. And and he's doing that. First thing. <laughs> probably yeah. would have happened had a changeling not been at the helm, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would have probably realized they should have got out of there. And and but they, you know, that's the thing with the changeling. And the changelings are the most terrifying because they can do that. They can infiltrate you and then become you. And and that is like a great concept to have, especially with somebody like Ronald D. Moore who would go on to make Battlestar Galactica. You know, he he really had a lot of fun with that concept there too. So, Lovak uh, on his shoulder, the the change line. Yeah, I think that that part's smart. I think that you know, I think that the space battle, I think, is kind of underwhelming. I feel like they were trying to like take a series of steps to build up to things things like you know the way of the warrior and the other big space battles that they would go on to do. But you know, like uh, they have they their ambition for this kind of stuff. Even to have like thirty ships on camera feels like ambitious back back in ninety five. Uh, yeah, and this they really hadn't. I don't think they had shown off the defiance cannons, like phaser cannons, like they did in this episode. They really showed them off. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to show it, like yeah. They, I think that they destroyed like three or four Jem'Hadar ships, right? In this when they yeah. joined into this battle. Um. But like all this tells me, like just screams, like this is the part that needs to remaster. Part. Well, yeah, this is where I think like you could go back. You could even add a few minutes of footage or space battle footage. There are fans that would appreciate it. I think that you know, there's uh, like I, I hate. Give me the D Space Nine Blu-ray. Give me the like, yeah. the extended be and things like that. Because there's like, yeah, the um, extended episodes. Why not? With more. With Did you more guys see the remastered? Battle scenes in the documentary. Yes. Yes. Oh my I put God. them on sometimes. So yeah. great. Yeah. And you only get you only get like a little taste of it, right? In that yeah. documentary, and you're like, we could have so much more. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think about that? Or the conversation that Garrick and Odo have when they're on the runabout and they're escaping. I think it's a great kind of capstone to the episode, both episodes, where they both talk to each other, like, you know, he's like you know, I apologize for what happened before. And, you know, Odo says to him, like, you know, I can understand the need to want to return home. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, they both have that understanding with each other. And I think that's both these episodes are about both these characters. I mean, both episodes. And Odo whacked him good. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that, that, that looks painful. Well, it did save my life, he says. In my life, but he nearly broke. Like, like it looks like he has a strong face bone to start. <laughs> right. Yeah, cranial ridges, man. Cranial ridges. Yeah, I think that. I think again. Like, I think that by the end of this of these two episodes, I think Odo and Garrick should have been tighter. And like we said, like they they could have done more with those two. Their personalities don't work yeah. together for some. One of the they're one of them's really serious, and the other one. 
need somebody that's more gullible. Needs a conversation. Garrick needs a Bashir. You'd shoot a man in the back. Well, it's the safest way, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Garrick and Worf don't work really well together either. Yes, he's again same. He's super serious. Uh, Garrick and Cisco only work well in that one episode because Cisco lets himself not 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 he's serious, but he he goes dark and. Uh, in the pale moonlight, the pale and I, moonlight. yeah, so like I think that's what Garrick, you know, he either needs you, you to be a bad guy or like like Bashir and be like a gullible banter, uh, somebody to banter with. Um, okay, are we ready with some fun facts, Dave? You think we should get to that? Soon? I think we should, right. yeah, let's get into the fun facts. Um, because I, I just want the only thing I yeah. wanted to mention the, fi- the finale of the Dias cast. Um, where the, it's the final conversation between Garrick and Odo, not in the runabout, but more like in the tailor shop where he's like, why don't you like, Gar- what does he say? Uh, Quark wants to start up a, a strip, uh, like a massage parlor or something. They like got a rub and tug or something. Yeah. And uh, he's like, he's like, I don't think that Cisco would approve. Why don't you bring back your tailor shop? He's like, you know what the sad part is? I, I really am a, a good tailor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I, I also thought it was, um, like just the, the we never see Rene Aubergenois through the whole scene, right? It's just like, we see, we have this, uh, close up on Andrew Robinson and then we have like the reflection way off right. of, um, which I think it was just like, a, um, this, this director of this was, was David Livingston. Um, I thought just a really interesting end to this arc. And the other thing, the two that we maybe forgot about the, in the ending here was, uh, when Todman. The admiral and the gold, the gold ad, yellow admiral, <laughs> the only one ever seen uh, in all in all of of, these, of all of Star Trek. Uh, he's like, "Don't you ever pull a stunt like that again, because I'll uh, court martial you, or I'll promote you." Any of them? Yeah. What a bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not or, as good as the the, yeah. the Shakespeare line that ends this episode. That's the one I like. The but he f- said, "Small beer tain is in our stars, not or in ourselves, not in our stars." <laughs> I love that line. Pays off the whole episode. Yeah, like I just think the whole uh, where he's like, uh, he's like, "Yeah, none of the Cardassians or Romulans got out." He's like, "Sounds like Wolf three five nine all over again." He's like, "My thought exactly," because my wife died there, and no one died. My wife did not die this time, so it was kind of like I felt like it was kind of a dick. I didn't like it. I'm like that's personal for uh, for Cisco Wolf three five nine. Yeah, well, but it's a massacre. The admirals aren't always nice. No, not this it, one. He got Eddington on his doing his dirty work. Okay, Dave, we have another uniform update that you didn't catch. This episode oh, yeah. marks the appearance of a new style of Tal Shiar uniform. This redesign was Ronald D. Moore's idea. After he watched the episode Visionary, he came to feel that the old-style Roman uniforms were unacceptable, and he had Robert Blackman give the design an overhaul. I a quote, I hated, underline, hated the Romulan costumes. Big shoulder, shoulder pads, pads. Uh, the, qu- the quilting, I just loathed it. I begged, insisted, screamed, <laughs> pleaded, end quote. Um, I think that was a good move because I think that, yes, I agree that, um, like the, like that was a sleeker look for the Romulans. They didn't look so 
bulky compared to like you know what um denise crosby was wearing as sila you know with the massive shoulder pads and uh boxy <laughs> look it was the 80s man you know it was that that was in fashion and then it went away i just i guess the mirror doll look from the 60s yeah, yeah. but it was actually it was actually the 2360s uh it was the 60s man the 2360s <laughs> in the romulans and then they you know they grew out of it in the 70s yeah um yeah, I just love. I begged, insisted, screamed, pleaded. Like, just who did Ronald D. Moore? Ronald D. Moore. Yeah, that yeah. was a good move. I was a good yeah. thing. That Ronald D. Moore was trying to bring some style to these Romulans. Yeah, uh, those Cylons had pretty big shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yes. Uh, this was the first appearance of Juliana McCarthy on this series. Her character Mila appeared in a greater capacity in The Dogs of War and What You Leave Behind, the last episode. So she's in the last. She's right up until the end. Um, this is one of Ronald D. Moore's favorite episodes. This is talking about improbable cause. We'll get to the discuss. Oh, so this is the improbable cause fun fact. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, this episode, along with the Dice Cast, was broadca- broadcast by the B- BBC in a feature-length format on its first airing on the 13th of March, 1997. So Sweet. BBC didn't get to watch it for two years, but they got to watch it at once. So good for them. Right. Uh, the second part of this uh, two-parter, the Dias cast, was not the next episode to be shot because it was never intended to be a two-parter. Pre-production on Through the Looking Glass was already well underway when the Dias cast was greenlit. As such, the episodes were shot out of sequence and the air dates of this episode and Through the Looking Glass were flipped. So that's even more interesting because we've been saying we've been treating it like a two-parter. We're here sitting doing two a, a one podcast <laughs> yeah. for for us. It wasn't even shot. It's like part of the same thing. <laughs> we like, went back and then like shoehorned, you know, this the episode second in. parter. Yeah, like the second part. Yeah. Uh oh, Odo and Garrick are with Tane on the Romulan ship. What now? Go ahead, Ronald D. Moore. Let's get out better costumes with these Romulans. <laughs> yeah, I blanked. I played it. Season four of Battlestar all over again. No, the original. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so this was uh, the first Star Trek uh, two-part episode with different names for part one and part two, although there had already been a three-parter with different titles, The Homecoming, The Circle, and The Siege. But they it weren't w- really. They weren't really. It was like they were standalone episodes. Right, uh, but they were a part of the same story. It was also the first episode within a two-parter or multi-part story to be directed by a cast member, Avery Brooks. Jonathan Frakes had previously directed The Search Part 2 and Past Tense Part 2, but he had, was not a, a regular on Tuesdays Night. So, yeah, I guess but that's kind of cool. Uh, a scene was scripted with Quark talking to Odo, Bashir and Garrick uh, about Retea and can be found in a skip. Uh, Quark says of the Flaxian, quote, he didn't have the eyes of a salesman. <laughs> okay. That's funny. They should have kept that in. They should have kept that in. Uh, Joseph Rushkin has played the role of Galt in the original series, the Game Masters of Triskelion. Have you watched that episode, Dave, on Game Masters of Triskelion? We have not. We have not uh, done that in original oh, series. Well, it's coming so, up. We no, can't avoid it forever. Uh, Tumek in Deep Space Nine, the house of Quark, and looking for uh, for Pa 
Parmak in all the Parmakai, I believe. Parmakai. Or it doesn't say that. It says Parmak. No, Parmakai is the partner. Parmak is the act. Yeah, it says, yeah, looking for Parmak in all the wrong places. Looking for Parmak. I always like to say looking for Parmakai in all the wrong places. But it's incorrect. And uh, <laughs> Cardassian informant in DS9, Improbable Cause. Son's officer in Star Trek Insurrection, a Vulcan master in Voyager's Gravity, and a Salubin doctor in Enterprise's Broken Bow. Joseph Rushkin has been around. Broken Bow? Broken Bow, sorry. Uh, Joseph Rushkin, Cardassian informant, appeared in every Star Trek television series. So, except TNG. So, he's like the only one to do that except Majel Barrett. So, it's like him. They're like the... They, Wait, and who's this we're talking about? Uh, I believe the guy that played the Flaxian. Uh, no, sorry, he played the Cardassian informant. Yeah. Oh, the guy with the eyes. Yeah. Deep throat. Deep throat. Mm -hmm. Deep throat has been in like every everything except TNG. I okay. We didn't really talk about that scene a lot, but I love that whole like he's up there and we get like later on a little quick close up on his eyes. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know who this informant was. I, I think there was another scene or another episode like in season one where Odo goes to meet the guy. Maybe it's in the Vortex episode. Um, and yeah. yeah, like this one was pretty cool. I thought uh, just how they shot it. He's like, yeah, you don't need to see me. I'm around. I'm up here. I got a new face. I got a new face. You won't be seeing it. But he, I like at the end, he's like, now my debt is paid. But if you want to trade me for some new information, I'm totally down. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, okay. Robert Letterman and David R. Long's original idea for this episode revolved around the punishment exacted upon Garrick by the Obsidian Order for his killing of Entech in the episode Second Skin. Garrick realizes that someone is planning on assassinating him, so he blows up his own shop to ensure Odo gets involved. Although the, the producers love the idea of Garrick blowing up his own shop, they drop the link to Second Skin and instead uh, decided to connect the episode to another previous episode, this time Defiant. Specifically, they chose to reveal exactly what the Obsidian Order was up to in the Araya system. And so they're paying off what Dave wanted with that great mystery that they set up in Defiant. It's why, like, the other Star Trek shows didn't even come close to doing stuff that, that was this smart. No. Uh, the episode was originally a standalone episode, but the writers realized that the story's original ending was too weak and decided to expand the plot to accommodate a second part. Initially, in Act 4 of the single episode script, Garrick tells Bashir that if anything should happen to him, there is an isolinear rod behind a wall in his quarters, which the Doctor should give to Sisko. Then, at the end of the episode, with Garrick and Oda trapped on the warbird, Garrick tells Tane that if he doesn't let him go, the information on the rod will be revealed to Starfleet. As such, Tane releases them, and the audience never finds out what is on the rod. The writers hated this ending as they felt it undermined an otherwise superb episode, but they were unable to come up with anything more satisfactory, as Ronald D. Moore points out. Quote, everything we tried was just a writer's device or a cliche or a convenience or a cheat. End quote. That was until Micro Pillar, in his last decision as an executive producer, suggested that they turn the show into a two-parter. Uh, this necess uh, necessitated a quick rewrite of the end of the episode so as to lead it into part two. So, yeah. 
So that's it for improbable cause. Uh, we, All right. And, you know, it's probably a lot of the same facts for the Dice cast, other than they didn't film part two until two weeks later. You know, they filmed a whole other story where they had to play mirror universe versions of themselves. And then they had to come back and pick up. And he's like, well, hey, remember he was eating lunch with Garrick. Let's have O'Brien eat lunch with him to start this week. <laughs> Uh yeah okay so this episode was the first with Iris Stephen Bear as executive producer. One of the uh, major changes he made to the series in action sequences, specifically space battles, had to do uh, had to be shown on screen more often and not just referred to, as TNG had repeatedly done. As the episode budget of the DS9 shows could now accommodate more extreme battle sequences than TNG could do during its series run. Starship fights became more commonplace in later seasons, especially during major Dominion War episodes. This particular episode marks the first sign of this change, as it features the biggest on-screen battle in Star Trek history up to that point in the Battle of the Omerian Nebula. And, uh, yeah, so this is really interesting. This is basically the handover from Michael Piller to Iris Stephen Bear. This ep- this Glorious ser- day. The, yeah, these series of episodes. Did you have a tambourine? <laughs> it was uh, well like come on we know like this is the... there you go like landed in the back i'm ready with the props <laughs> <laughs> um okay uh as with garrick's quick almost reflective killing of entek and takani gamor's warning to kira not to trust him in second skin the writer saw this episode as another chance to remind viewers that garrick wasn't a typical good guy that he was, in fact, capable of committing knowingly nefarious actions. According to Iris Stephen Bear, quote, we wanted to show that what he's capable of, even if he doesn't want to do it, you could torture someone if you had to. Uh, Garrick can do it, end quote. Yeah, I don't know if we had to have this scene, but I think it's interesting that we did. I think we saw Garrick murder three people before. Yeah, they were bad guys, all of them, but... Um, yeah, and they did it with ease, it. though. Like, yeah, like without even <laughs> barely blinked. Yeah, no, he didn't care but, either. And, and, and yeah, like remember Kira just had like a double take because she's like, oh, 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 okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's get out of here. Um, yeah, Hutzel was instructed to come up with a way to do the battle scene without going over budget. His solution was to create transparencies of the models of the Romulan war- warbirds and the Cardassian ships, and to use those transparencies transparencies in the background coupled with the fact that they were they were in the background hutzel ensured that the camera never lingered on one of them too long as so as to ensure viewers didn't spot the effect it, it i do you do notice like why are there so many ships just standing still for this intense battle um but it's fine i'm glad he's stra- i'm glad he got the most out of his budget that's right uh, the shot where the USS Defiant destroys the Jemadar fighter and then flies through the debris took four days to capture that shot. That's what blew the budget. Four days for one shot. Uh, this is the last episode of the series to depict Cisco clean-shaven, although he was later seen without facial hair in his photo as Gabriel Bell on Nog's pad in the fourth season episode Little Green Men. Right. So this is he. This is the end of the pre-hawk, and we are stepping into full hawk. We're about to Captain go hawk. full hawk. semi-hawk. He's coming. He's going half hawk first. Half hawk. 
half hawk for three episodes four episodes yeah this is uh the last episode of the series uh, sorry uh in an unfirmed or deleted part of the scene where admiral todman is speaking to deep space nine crew todman mentions he had bet two cases of saurian brandy on bashir winning the carantine award uh, from uh profit motive earlier in the year and that since Bashir lost, he also uh, lost commenting that I uh, quote, I don't like to lose. So that Admiral had a personal vendetta against Bashir because he lost a bunch of money or something. He lost a bunch of Saurian brandy. He was betting with Saurian brandy. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah, he lost Saurian brandy. Hmm. Uh, okay. This Todman's yeah. a dick. Yeah, Admiral Todman. Well, speaking <laughs> of Admiral Todman, he has the distinction of being the first 24th century era admiral to wear the operations gold colors. In fact, the first 24th century Starfleet officer with any rank higher than lieutenant commander to do so. So there Actually, you go, Dave. That's why it's so rare. He's the first, but he won't be the last. I would like you to remember Commodore O from Ooh. Star Trek Picard. Oh, she wore gold and she was a flag officer. Okay. Uh, and okay. a Romulan. And a Romulan, too. We got all kinds of connections. Uh, Leyland Orser, who played Lovok in this episode, these series of episodes, also played Gaul in DS9 Sanctuary, Loomis in Enterprise's Carpenter Street, and Dejarin in Voyager's Revulsion. Yeah, he, he seems very familiar. Yeah. Uh, oh, I remember him in Revulsion. <laughs> yeah, he's that um, like android or hologram that finds biological life disgusting. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. He, he was like the serial yeah, killer hologram. That was good, yeah. Um, Leon Rusum, who played Admiral Tobin, also appeared as the chi uh, Starfleet chief uh, in command in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which also featured Rene Aubergenois. Yeah, I am. Maybe they were time traveling together. Yeah. Admiral uh, Cartwright. Yeah. Hey, we got we to gotta rate this episode, too. We have to rate the Dias cast. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we do. All right, let's get to that. Okay, so, Jeff, why don't you start us off? Uh, I do, like, an 8.3. You're going eight, so you, you like this less yeah. than part one. I like the first one more. I like the first one more too. Uh, I'm gonna go. And, it's like it, it's it's probably actually more closer to an eight point eight for me. Jamil, seven point three. Seven point three. Ashley and Kevin, if you're out there, and Davin. Nine. <laughs> yes. Going nine. So we all were lower, right? Yes, on this episode. Although there's more, I, Garrick in, there's more Garrick in the first episode, so I think eight point five is nothing to sneeze at. Eight point no. five is 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 still are, very strong. These are very two very high episodes. Um, like as we've been looking, our season average for three has been way higher. Uh, we had to go through some not as fun season two and season one episodes to get here but yeah this this is a uh, strong it had 8.7 on nine on imdb so the the extra the second episode is considered to be higher rated but um and but these are very fitting so what do we got next jeff what, what's what's after this 
Uh, let me check that. Uh, it's Explorers. Oh, that's a good one. Which is, is that uh, Cisco on a sail ship with his son? Yep. Cisco and uh, you know that would have been a good Father's Day episode. We missed it off by a week, but yeah, yes, uh, Cisco and Jake. Uh, they're they're just out for a camping trip in space. This is uh makes no perfect sense. makes perfect sense after the events of today of um of this episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna go sailing with my son. I'm gonna go sail into Cardassia. <laughs> yeah uh yeah we have no way of maybe getting back but you know what the dominion surely are not coming through that wormhole yeah to we, kill us we probably we could <laughs> run into a cloaked romulan cardassian fleet maybe not probably not they're all they, dead why would they kill us we're in a sailboat or <laughs> it's not like the enemy was just poked or anything yeah, yeah. flying around in battleships they're gonna blow us up i don't get it I always thought, yeah, we'll talk about it for the next episode. But this whole, yeah, I always had that idea of like the solar sail, like the, the, like was so cute. They, yeah. they go faster than like their ships can go in this episode. They make some bullshit up about how they catch like a, like some sort of storm in space and the sail basically shoots them from Bajor to Cardassia in like by accident. By accident. So a storm in space. Are you saying it's a Romulan mining ship from the future? No. Uh, Star Trek 2009, dude. That's a reference. Storm in space is the exact term they use. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello lightning storm. Yeah. Yeah. Lightning storm in space. Hello, Christopher. I'm Nero. I'm Nero. <laughs> I'm Nero. <laughs> uh, Eric. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Well, Dave, what else do we have coming up? Well, tomorrow, uh, Jeff, here on Live yes. Long and Podcast, we'll be talking about, as we wind down our original series rewatch with our dad, Ted, um, we have 18 episodes left. Tomorrow's episode is known as The Empath from season three of Star Trek, the original series. Um, I, I, I've, I've seen it, but it's been it's been a minute since I've watched this episode, so I'll be watching it tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be checking that out. Um, and, you know, we got we only got so many more. And once we'll be wrapping up on, on uh, the original series, we'll be starting up on Star Trek Enterprise, which will replace that podcast. So. Um, led by Jody Simpson. <laughs> it's going to be a long road. It's going to be a long, long road. road. But that's that's down the road a little bit, uh, a long road. A little, you know, Do you know what? I don't mind Enterprise. Just Archer bothers me. <laughs> I really like Enterprise. Actually, I find it's underrated. Davin, yeah, you, we, we, we come come aboard the NX One uh, in some weeks from now. Um, I, I I'm kind I of I'm lukewarm on Enterprise. Like I I definitely did enjoy it at the time. But they probably have got... the best mirror universe episode of anybody. They do. Yeah. Yes. The acting the actors aren't the strongest and the characters aren't the strongest, but the stories are really good. I found. Yeah. They, the uh, episodes it, are always it, very interesting. We would we would be we if DS9 ended the way Enterprise ended, we'd be treating it the exact same way. It never got its fair time. Right, just as yeah. it was starting to find its footing and finding its place, yeah, it was yeah. cut short. So, yeah, can you imagine um, like, yeah, two six nine being done after season three or something? Like, yeah, it would have a waste of potential. Just, just imagine they do a D Space Nine episode where you see um, what Bones being a hundred and fifty six goes into a, a holodeck, right, to relive Cisco's last battle or greatest battle to prepare for a speech that's what basically what it would have happened if it was ds9 yeah, <laughs> yeah. no for sure 
we also have uh, Star Trek Radio Theater. We, uh, we 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 don't have one on the queue at the moment. We will be doing one in the future. Uh, you know, just the whole it's summer, you know, and things are happening. Um, so we'll be back with Star Trek Radio Theater in some time. Plus, we have Super Mater Brothers podcasting, uh, where we cover all kinds of TV shows. Jamil Robinson and I, for ten weeks, covered Big Brother Canada Nine Ooh. just this past year. Jeff Mater, you will be joining us. Right as we start on July seventh, <laughs> Big Brother USA. Did you catch 20. that? You'll be you'll be joining us, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I told you I don't watch Big Brother Canada. I know he's I just know, but... gathering his strength for Big Brother USA. That's because you remember last season you didn't quite make it to the end of Big Brother USA. Uh, what do you mean? You you weren't there for the finale. Oh well, yeah. yeah. That finale was pretty ass though. No, yeah, I, yeah, I was not invested by the end. I mean, you I was, you had Cody in the draft. I didn't. Yeah, but I hated that season. That season <laughs> was frustrating. Yeah. There you go. That's the reason. Anyway, anyway so we an all new season of Big Brother coming. Uh, we'll be covering that on Super Mater Brothers podcasting. Plus, we've done other. Uh, we've done Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, including uh, WandaVision, and we we talked about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We talk about Loki when that wraps. Uh, in some weeks from now, but Jeff, you, are you liking that show? I'm loving Loki. Uh, I also I loved WandaVision. I did finish Captain Falcon. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like Captain <laughs> whatever, Falcon. whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah Captain Falcon. I finished. Uh, I loved the last episode of Captain Falcon. Everything, uh, everything like up until the last oh, episode, Loki. I thought was meh. Like it was okay. Oh my it gosh, was, where were you? Where were you for our podcast? Because everyone was kind of met on the last episode. So I'm, I'm. I, well, I'm, I understand that. I just, I don't know. Hit me. I really understood the point of of the message and everything that they were like. I liked the speech at the end. I really enjoyed it. I thought I watched a couple times. So yeah, you got to get. We got real problems, and we got to yeah. figure them out. Yeah, we got to stop spitting. Soldier, I'm not a politician. I don't know how to do things. I just know how to tell you to figure it out. Yeah, Captain America had a montage, right, where he he became more popular. I had a montage just to get to that point, to get to, <laughs> get good, <Yeah. laughs> get good. So yeah. we talk about that kind of Build stuff over better. on Super Mater Brothers podcasting, <laughs> and also our third channel, Trivial Debates. Check it out this Sunday. We're going to be oh, that's the wrong button. wrong one, uh, wrong one. <laughs> uh, we're going to be uh, Sunday on June twenty second. Uh, 27th uh adam woodward hosting for the first time trivial debates we got Ooh. michael connor jody simpson chris seymour in a special canada day themed episode all kinds of interesting questions coming at you for this one uh check that out this sunday at uh, uh 11 a.m eastern wait who which, to chris i've been talking to chris are you coaching um, him is chris I'm, like been in like on four straight of these like i feel like he's uh, he's on this every week no he missed two months what? Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. He's oh, Jody. Off. Jody's been done the Jody's been there quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, he's not there every week either, every month either. So, yeah. So we got uh, Adam Wood and Michael Connor for the first time ever competing, uh, who's been on the Star Trek Discovery podcast. We got all kinds of podcasters. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm straight up excited about this week's. I, I can't wait. Yeah. I the Chris it's always good to see a Chris Jody slug uh, fest so we'll yeah well that. it's not a slug fest it's a <laughs> it's a brutal beating brutal beating. where one just yells mercy the other one just keeps <laughs> going don't hurt me anymore yeah like, no, no no more no more <laughs> this Sunday check it out this Sunday 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 
Yeah. Did uh, Did you hear the questions yet? No. Can, can you Can you tease? Give us a one? Give us a tease. Yeah. What's a, a tease. Can... Okay. Yeah. I'll be I'll be uh, quick. I just got to open the the word doc. Uh, so for, in movies, uh, what's the best movie starring a Canadian actor in the lead role? Ooh. Ooh. What would you? Devin, what Star, would Trek you pick? <laughs> Star Trek Six. Star Trek Six. William believe. Shatner. Yeah. That's Don't a good believe. answer. Don't trust him. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> History question is what was Canada's most impactful natural disaster after 1950? Ooh. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, well, that was, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. What should Canada's national food <laughs> dish be? Too much, uh, too much, too much. Oh, Jeff, this is one way. What which of Canada's sports teams has mm. the best fan base? Too much. Not the Toronto Maple Leafs. The best fan base, um, probably the Raptors. Four, number four, baby. Woo! So excited. The most nobody, united. Nobody and, hates on the Raptors, you know. Oh, people. Like, oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. People do hate the Raptors. They're American. <laughs> they're, they're called Americans. Like, no, no, you know, no, no. Canadians do. Swaggy C. He likes to hate on me. Swaggy C. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Canadians also hate on the Raptors too. But what that's about the okay. Blue the Blue Jays? Do you think? You know, that's another one where. There's only one team, right? Right. So I, I I think that's the better. You're better off to go with a team that uh, like one of those that doesn't have the, competition, like in hockey. The the best the best answer, and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal it for someone. Sorry, whoever picks this wins. Is Team Canada for hockey? You know, I, I would also, message Chris and tell him that one. I would argue, um, no, like, he was one of the soccer teams you know because like their fans like like sing the whole game and, and stuff and like they're you're talking about the best fans like yeah i guess so like yeah. there's a lot of choices and the way you a lot argue, of choices a lot of a lot of possibilities you, so yeah. check that out sunday at 11 our next episode of trivial debates but thank you for what? joining what? us what? here what? What? on dspace 99 breaks breaks uh Devin, do you have something to plug Devin? Oh, I could plug the podcast, Locutors of Trek. Where can, where can you people... can listen to that on Amazon. You can listen to that on... Uh, everything. We're everywhere. Everything. Wherever you listen to pod, podcasts. Wherever uh, you listen to pods, Locutors yeah. of Trek. And tell, tell, tell us a little bit about your co-host, uh, Dave. Uh, great Dave, name, by the way. otherwise known as the smart one. He's um, noticed. What are you? Which one are you? Is, is he superior, Dave, to our Dave? I'm more like the plucky one. <laughs> You're the plucky one? Okay. Or something. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I'm the <laughs> the editor. Uh, yeah. uh, no, we we have a conversational approach, but you know, Dave is endless anecdotes, so I just I, interrupt I with puns and impressions. I really like. I really like. It's like a long format podcast. Uh, really like intellectual. Uh, I I dig it. Check it out, and uh, and 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 you have friends here at Live Long and Podcast. Yes, I agree. One more announcement. And I didn't share this with anyone. This weekend, it's back. I am recording an episode of True Currency Podcast. It's happening. It here it's happening. After being a very I've heard long hiatus. I've heard these kinds of alleged. These alleged. Movies. It's well, I already bought the tickets. It's going to be Fast Nine, The Return of Han. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an episode. You're going full hawk. The hawk's coming back. Full hawk. And while, and while we're plugging podcasts, check out my son's podcast. Uh, let's talk about fighting games. Yeah. Uh, oh. 
Yes. So it, yes, they by have a Street Amon, Fighter Two Turbo episode. I think so. Yes, probably. Yeah. And also, Eamon will be making the long-awaited theme song for, uh, you know, fun facts you know, with Jeff. Fun facts with yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Oh, we need. Yeah, we gotta freshen it up. Yeah. So he's got so many projects. So, so many projects. Sorry, Dave. I hand it back to you. No, I hand it back to Jeff. Jeff, take us away. Okay, well, for all of us here at Deep Space Nine at Nineties, thank you, Davin, for joining us. Uh, uh, Dave, Jamil, oh, you're welcome. And uh, you know, we'll see you next week when we talk about uh, Cisco and his son sailing in a uh, a space sail ship. <laughs> but until then, live long and prosper. We miss you, Millards. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>